everybody. Uh, we we're now uh, two hours into <laughs> hanging out on the boat, and that's fine. That's okay. We I almost suggested we just scrap recording and. You know, we'd never do a alive. podcast again. No, and then we'd be friends. Me and Mooney were just like, why would we ever do that? We've already talked about all the good content, yeah. so we might as well record we might our worst well possible record. content. Yeah. Now, now that I'm... Or like the fucking wrote it, you know? <laughs> just like this, the crumbs that we leave behind. Now that I've taken my um, five nighttime pills... Yeah, might as well oh, record. Jesus Christ. I'm ready. I'm okay. And I'm going to be honest right from the beginning, guys. I have not really been following the news. I don't really know what's going on in the world, what's going on in Seattle, because, guys, the best year of my life has come to an end. <laughs> That's I, why we're talking Oscar season. <laughs> <laughs> I have... I I started working Thursday, and I am working through Saturday. And, guys, it's not even fucking Friday. <laughs> That is brutal, Greg. You've worked for one week, is what I've heard. Great, great, great. Greg's straight, listening straight. to the to the Drake song, working on the weekends like usual, and he's like, "Yeah, that's me." No, guys, but it's, <laughs> finally I can. Yeah, I can but it's worse for me to work whatever that is eleven days in a row or something because, guys, I I've been just taking it easy for the last few months. All right, like you know, I had a good year last year. I've been chilling out. I've been I've been reading my stories. I've been, you know, podcasting, hanging out, just walking around my neighborhood. Uh, it's just like I've been thrown back into it, man, and like I'm just not here for it. Yeah, it's uh, like whiplash, man. That that sounds really hard, Greg. And I was just telling <laughs> someone earlier this week, like, oh, but these jobs I got at the end of the week, they're gonna be cake. It's this, it's this cake stuff that's gonna be so easy. Fuck, man, I did a fucking 12 hour day today i had to be in redmond at 7 a.m <laughs> oh, oh my god dude 12 I could hours be back there i'm sure nobody listening to this can possibly identify with no. this, this thing of having to work for a week and i have to be back there in nine hours nine hours from now that is typically how jobs work yes <laughs> uh, guys well anyway i'm out of it so yeah welcome back to mechanical freak uh yeah uh Guys, uh, we've already hinted that all the best conversation has already happened off mic, but I, I just have to say it. Munya came in hot with the biggest like movie take I've heard him have ever. It blew my fucking mind, <laughs> which is he said, and I got to say, part of what blew my mind is it's totally true. Mm. Commentary like Talking Dead is the replacement for the now dead art of DVD commentaries. And... When you said it, it was like one of those things I never thought of before, but is so true that it rocked my world. Like just, right when it came off your lips, I was like, "That that I've never that was like pure unadulterated truth." The zombie when <laughs> when the human was bit by the zombie, the zombie charged the human to try to bite the human. <laughs> the human was scared and ran away. Other uh, human a had a shotgun. <laughs> well, I think it was a real show until Chris Hardwick was some sort of creep. I can't remember. He got canceled for being a creep. Which yeah, is, I, I mean, felt like looking at a lot. Him. A lot of showrunners, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Then, but uh, but apparently, it's too much power. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, the uh, 
what, what's the show you watch? Uh, Euphoria. About, yeah, Euphoria about yeah. the British teens do drugs and have <laughs> they're, sex. They're as its own Los Angeles dead teens. They're, they're, they're very American teens. They're <laughs> like getting, Orange Brian's County confused. teens. <laughs> He's confused Euphoria and Downton Abbey. <laughs> which, I mean... Yeah, they live, they're enough. teens who live in a historic British building <laughs> and visitors come. Teens yeah, whose right. parents were uh, killed in the sinking of the Titanic. <laughs> Wait, is, oh, is that part of the plot of Downton Abbey? I've told you this before. Oh, it's God the funniest it. pilot episode ever, where for the first uh, 20 minutes you're wondering why all these, the family of all these rich people all died on the same day and they're all reading about it in the paper and you realize, oh, it's the Titanic. It's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. TV's never been better, guys. No, I mean, literally, like, the Euphoria, every single episode of Euphoria, if you just, like, watch, like, past the credits, um, they actually, like, actually, like, they do credits for maybe two seconds and then they skip to, like, this, like, commentary which is not it's like a studio set of like the showrunner right sam and he's like talking about what happened exactly in like his episode but he'd be like yes rue felt um confliction when uh you know she was met with two different options and then, like it was like like in a very li- like not a- adding really anything like it was not talking about like his directing or art is like literally like explaining to the audience exactly what happened like, in like, every single episode I, that sounds like you might as well like hold up the face chart you know, and be like, okay, so this is when a person is sad. You know, this is when our character is happy. Well, it's, it's degrading too because then they get the actors to explain their character, like, okay. and what they did too. I mean, that is, and it's just like, come on, that's man. exactly in the wheelhouse of an actor. Okay, but like, <laughs> okay, this, that, yeah, that, that role, that role of the guy dude, is probably like an actor's dream. You know, like just explaining yeah. like everything. <laughs> Like if you're the guy who the who is like authoring the work, you know, you're writing it, directing it, like it, you should have the dignity to just refuse to do that. No, you just come on, man. I see him up there like all the I guess for Euphoria is basically for children, and you know that's what you're making. Right. So maybe they that. I don't actually know what the show is. No, I mean it. It is. If it's about teens, then it's for junior hires. If it's about high school kids, then it's for junior hires. That's the rule, right? Yeah. It's aspirational. That's how TV used to be. Okay, but look, I I cannot tell you how disappointed I was as like a fifth grader watching Saved by the Bell to finally get to a school, a middle school at Lockers, and they weren't full human size. Like you literally, you you could not put a person. Yeah, yeah, like you would have to fold somebody over, like in thirds, cracking every bone in their body, and then squish them with a vice to like. So you have to kill them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we. we, (laughs) There's only one way to get in that locker. That's. Up. Up. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say, like, you, you got to high school and were really shocked and disappointed that, like, there weren't actually, like, popular kids and 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 strange kids who wanted to talk about things no one else wanted to and, and were singled out and made fun of. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, uh, you, you did not, uh, like, it's, it's the most cliche thing in the world to say that the... The clicks or whatever you see in TV and movies don't like actually exist in high schools that have like six thousand people at it, like minded. Yeah. But I will tell you, one time before class, I I was you know there was like this kind of big open courtyard area at my high school, and we were walking through, 
and all the like kickers, which were like the the pretend hillbillies. Right? Keep in mind, this is like in a city. The high school has six thousand people at it, and there's these fucking nerds who would drive like trucks with grills and like wear like Wrangler. They're like, fake cowboys, right? You know, grills. Parents, wait, like all cars have grills. No, the like giant welded like brush pusher. Oh, you know, okay, you know okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, because I was picturing like a barbecue grill in the back of the I truck. I wish that'd be fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, no, that'd be the click. Those kids are cool. Was in. Yeah. That was, yeah. No, these are guys whose like dads own auto dealerships, and they like that makes me a cowboy, you know. (laughs) But there was like hell yeah, fifty of them on one side of the courtyard, and like fifty of the like Latino kids who are into like hip hop. Right. Oh yeah. They're on the other side. The Latino kids who say the N word. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And then we were like walking through the middle, and there was like a definite dead air in there that like didn't feel great, and like looking around and being like. I think something's going to happen. <laughs> and then all day there was discussion in the school about how there's going to be a rumble after school, uh-huh. you know? And I don't know if this rumble ever actually happened. I'm going to put my money on no, but that was the most like, uh, that was the closest thing we had to the cool cliched high school experience of we were going to have a race war. <laughs> like, between well, that's... fake hillbillies and uh, like <laughs> fake rappers. <laughs> But yeah yeah I, well i mean it's cool they were kind of doing like a total war like grand strategy thing of like having like 50 on 50 yeah yeah know? like a, like th- yeah. That, that that is pretty unique like in my high school like there were like actual fights but it was like yeah, yeah. a one-on-one thing that like they'd like we'd have like a specific spot that people would go to but like so some of the fights ended up on <laughs> on world star remember world star hip-hop like yeah yeah, 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 yeah some, 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 some of the fucking fights like uh ended up on world star which is like hilarious because it was like <laughs> it was some of the funniest like uh just getting fights your that you'd ass see. Beat, like, yeah. having enough fucking like coherence <laughs> to just get, stick your head up, yell "World Star!" <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Munya, if you're at Ballard High School, where do you, where's the location to get your ass beat? Salmon Bay Park. <laughs> all right, okay, yeah. you heard it here first, kids. Um, that, that, those were all of the fights where you'll literally yeah. like if you if World Star is still around, you know, it, there's no real keyword that you can really find. But if you just search back in like 2010, 2011, like you know, <laughs> around there, like you know, you'll You'll see a uh, theme of like the the background of each that rocks. Fight. That rocks. It's, it's all in Salmon Bay Park, man. I will say, my high school. Uh, you know, we have fights like any high school. It's you know of a certain size, and and uh, at one point in the electives building, they closed. The, I think I've told you guys this story, but they clo- permanently closed the men's bathroom or the boys' bathroom, and. Um, I, you know, it was like, did, was there fights in there where people smoke in the reefer in there? Why did they close it? Right. What's, what's, what's happening? And I asked, it finally got to the point where I said, I'm going to ask my advisory teacher and the advisory teacher, which is just like fucking homeroom or whatever explained, oh, well, a student presumably drew a portrait of the vice principal on the wall in human feces. So they've closed the bathroom <laughs> down entirely. And then I, I was sort of laughing, and the teacher then clarified that the portrait and shit was so good, you could <laughs> tell from the picture that it was, it was the vice principal. It wasn't that, just like a fucking smiley face or something. Like, it was like a detailed portrait. And so apparently my teacher had come by this information <laughs> because the custodians who were sent in to clean it took a picture of it and showed it to the teachers. Now, keep in mind, there's before cell phone cameras or cell phones at all. Which oh, they pulled they a Nikon went, cool pick. They One of them went home, got their camera, physical <laughs> fucking camera, brought it back, took a picture of it before they cleaned it, and then knowing that 
everybody hates the spice principle, showed it to all the teachers who all then had a great big laugh <laughs> at the sky's expense at his shit portrait. <laughs> How much of a piece of shit do you got to be to be a vice principal? And like, cause like that's a low bar already, right? People mm-hmm. have a lot of tolerance for like pretty like shitty like vice principals. Like, <laughs> not only have like your whole like you know students hate you, which is like common, your whole faculty to hate you, and also have a shit portrait of you. I mean, yeah. bro, you're, you're you you are like evil. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> deserve. I don't know this person deserved. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Mister Patronella? Fuck off right now. Yeah, incredible. Do some stuff. reflection. Well, uh, more than just shit portraits and the Oscars happened this last weekend. (laughs) Um, Also, what's the difference? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're here to give you uh, our opinion about the hottest debate on Twitter uh, regarding Hollywood. Which is uh, Silicon Valley Bank? Yeah, Munya, you're connected to. I assume all you're a tech guy, so I assume all your money is in Silicon Valley yeah, Bank. Yeah. Well, uh, they're they're innovative, man. You know, they, they they don't have the whole like brick and mortar thing where they need to like charge like heavy fees. You know, it's <laughs> for services. Yeah, for services. So you know, they 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 streamline by being um, online like first. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, you know, Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, essentially collapse due to a bank run a good old 19 like 20 style bank run you know uh literally just doing the george bailey yeah. like the money is not here it's in your app in your app it's in your only fans it's in your ape yeah. <laughs> we diversified it into apes <laughs> but uh it's in your defunct juicer so they had a good old fashioned bank run it's in your juicera try logging into your myspace yeah. maybe it's just there. <laughs> and normally you would kind of laugh and be like, well, that's like a funny local bank story, I guess. Uh, but it wasn't just a local bank, was it? Yeah. No, no. This is a very uh, <laughs> large bank. Like, weirdly, it's a weirdly large bank that like, you wouldn't think of. They had that 200. I've never heard of before. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had $209 billion of deposits. And this is not like an investment bank. This is like just a depositor bank, right? Like, a checking accounts and mm-hmm. shit, right? So. Yeah, and interestingly, I mean, on Saturday, I think it was, the Seattle Times, it's launched at the Seattle Times, the top story right below the mast, right, was uh, about Silicon Valley Bank and how it's going to affect Seattle, pointing out that an enormous number of tech companies in Seattle bank with Silicon Valley Bank, which is pretty funny, but what I thought buried in the story towards the end was an interesting little tidbit was uh, they had a guy who was a finance expert for wineries. He pointed out that, by his estimation, some 10 to 20% of Washington wineries also bank with Silicon Valley. You've got to buy up now, guys. Yeah, the tendrils are (laughs) long. Um, But interestingly, uh, it makes sense for the tech companies. I guess this we're to assume these are tech guys who bought these watches. Why are all these fuckers banking with a place that, honestly, (laughs) if you told me, uh, there's this bank called Silicon Valley. I, I automatically don't bank. Are you like, eh, no, yeah, no, sounds no made thanks. up. No, thank you. Yeah, but I mean, that's exactly like it's a cult. Like that's a brand, right? Yeah. Silicon Valley startup culture. You know, rich fucking tech money. It, it's a brand Disruptive. in itself. Like, yeah, yeah. And if if then part of their pitch to those people is that they're disruptive and innovating, then. Like it sells itself. Yeah, and know? well, and and they've been around for a while too. Like they were like former Bank of America people, I think, who like started Silicon Valley Bank back in like nineteen eighty. Oh, so we know where they're on the level. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> uh, like yeah, in the eighties, like they kind of saw like Silicon Valley like kind of like coming up, and they're like. 
they need banks mm-hmm. to actually, you know, <laughs> finance this. Um, and, you know, of course, like, with Silicon Valley, like, baked in ideology and everything, they don't want to, like, do, like, traditional banks. One, it's not just really ideology, like, it's that, but also it's the fact that traditional banks, as much as, like, you know, we can, uh, you know, have opinions about JP mm-hmm. Morgan and, like, practices and whatever, um, they do kind of care about their bottom line in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. So when they, you know, issue credit, um, they'll do, like, kind of pretty harsh, like, due diligence on, like, businesses. <laughs> they, they investigate what they're they're purchasing. Like, yeah, they're like, hmm, like, can they, like, pay back loans, right? Because unlike, you know, VC, which is, like, you know, you need to, like, put, like, you know, at one in every, like, thousand investment is going to make money, and that should mm-hmm. cover the rest. The, you know, bank logic is the opposite, where, like, 99.9% of loans, like, need to be repaid, right? And so you need to, like, make sure that these people actually going to, like, you know, pay back their credit, right? And yeah. with, with, like, you know, high-flying startups like Uber for Dogs or, like, Juicero, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, th- these, like, stupid companies that, like, pop up in Silicon Valley all the time, right? Like, uh, that's just, like, the stakes are so, like, kind of, like, low in terms of, like, what they, like, want to, like, you know, extend credit to in the grand scheme of things as, like, an international bank, you know? Um, but it's just, like, hard to do business with them is like what the grievances of like founders are so yeah um silicon valley bank uh, was like very accommodating with a lot of that stuff right yeah yeah and i mean you know s- s- people criticized bank of america for you know carrying accounts for the mexican cartels but hey look at the plus side that kept them on the straight and narrow right yeah. they weren't mm-hmm. just gonna uh evaporate that cartel money overnight yeah. You know? So I'm just saying every bank in America should be forced to hold the banking account of one cartel. It keeps you in shape, you know, <laughs> just, just a you little insurance. hire another accountant. If you have like it's one like cartel, a, ra- a radical outside hey, insurance policy. HSBC is still here, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Silicon Valley Bank, it's gone. All those people like lost their money or something, right? So, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so what happened is even like funnier because not only the there's like a couple reasons why Silicon Valley Bank failed. So it's like you know, tech startups have been like all of these. The phenomenon you're describing is not new, right? Like mm-hmm. Silicon Valley Bank has been around for a while. They've survived through a lot of like tech boom bust cycles, um, a lot of like bullshit like VC funded stuff that like fails. They still they're still there, right? Like so, it's not like just because of like you know like failed tech startups. It's actually because there was such an influx of capital after COVID when like rates got lowered to zero, right? Mm-hmm. And so every single pension fund, every single whoever flooded into VCs. So VCs now had all of these money, these venture capitalists who then had to like deposit this money somewhere. And so (laughs) from like 2020 to like 2021, like the deposits of Silicon Valley Bank, like more than doubled. (laughs) Wow. And so... <laughs> and again, I mean, that sounds good for them. It's really good. Their, 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 their stock went crazy, and like you know, their business model. You know, like they get more like capital under the belt. Like that's like amazing. But it's kind of like a blessing in disguise because now you have all of this like capital that you need to like invest like right then and there, mm-hmm. right? Instead of like it being gradually like put over time. Because the whole point of the bank is like you know, yeah. you assume that people are gonna stay at your bank, then you can like invest in basically risk-free interest-bearing, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. And because but, the rates were at zero, right, they needed right. some so they, yield. They're in the, they have mm-hmm. the problem everybody does, everybody with all capital does, is like, 
is you're looking for investments. Yep. And, and there aren't any good investments. Yeah. Everything is but, at zero, right? But they have yeah. this great solution, though, which is all this money is flooding in. So even if you make some bad investments, it's fine because the new money is coming in uh-huh. will make up for the money that you lost. And just so long as that roller coaster never stops, right? Uh, and and rates stay low too. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just long as the it was very funny. One of these uh, nerds is you know been going on and on crying on Twitter about it. it was he basically brought up this exact point where he's like. You know, everything was going fine until <laughs> the Federal Reserve decided to just slam, slam on the brakes the with the interest brakes. rates yeah, that was and David, cause a car wreck. That was David Sachs, yeah, that motherfucker. Um, he's going to be the new fourth mic on this show. Oh, dude. I love this guy. Yeah. He's been, he, he, he has been tweeting podcast. through it more than yeah, this guy. I mean, he like, the, the, yeah, he's like one of like the like weird like right-wing like cranks of um of like Silicon Valley who has like, in, you know, influence over there and... uh um, yeah, he was like one of the, like the caps lock guys because uh, like the meltdown that we mm-hmm. saw over the weekend. So like Silicon Valley Bank failed on Thursday, went into receivership on Friday with the FDIC and um, nothing was announced over the weekend. So there, mm. it was just kind of like hung in flux, right? Banking hours, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, but you know, payroll was like due that Monday, right? Yeah, so yeah. A bunch of like founders like freaking out, being like, "Oh my gosh, like how are we gonna pay our employees?" You know, like, "Oh, and also you're anti worker if you like don't like I'm, if I'm, we don't I'm, get I'm, our money." I'm, I'm have to pay how, my employees how are you gonna pay my employees? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so you see all these like long like kind of thinker threads about like, uh, "Oh, like my gosh, like this is like so awful. We are like the victims of this." Blah blah blah. Right. Partially true. Partially the fact that, like, you know, um, there are ways to insure your money yeah. in banks. You know, you're not like <laughs> yeah. you're not uh, prevented from not just having one bank account. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know? we should talk. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> so what's the deal with that? I've heard, yeah, that like somehow a, one of the problems here is that somehow a bunch of people have like millions of dollars in this bank that isn't. Not FDIC just millions insured. of dollars. Mm-hmm. Out of $209 billion, 97% of deposits were uninsured at this point. <laughs> How is that even <laughs> fucking possible? Well, so, yeah, this this gets to a problem, which is if a ton of money floods into your financial institution, <laughs> you say great, but in reality, it creates a variety of problems. <laughs> yeah. One is that money has to be managed and things like that because there are things like regulations and stuff that you have to be worried about and concerned about and stuff like that. So doubling your deposits in the course of a year actually produces some like institutional problems. Yeah. Um, luckily, they uh, decided to uh, innovate their way out of that and move quick and break things by just getting rid of all <laughs> like uh, financial responsibility and econ 101 uh, stuff and just go full negligence. So it, it should be clear when all these guys were crying, both on the depositor side and the bank side, every party in this was acting Complete with gross negligence. Ne- negligence. <laughs> and also the, the bank executives of Silicon Valley Bank were allowed to do that because they themselves were loud cheerleaders of Trump's um, repeal of a lot of like what Dodd-Frank was, right? Which like yeah. requ- had capital requirements, had like all this stuff that like, you <laughs> yeah. know. They repealed was... their overnight capital requirement, which is great because well, that's the kind of thing that protects you from a bank <laughs> well, run. You, so you better <laughs> get rid of that. Okay, so you get rid of your overnight capital requirement because you mean they have to have liquid dollars on hand if some if shit hits yeah, the fan. Yeah, they can't okay. have just yeah. like bonds. That's not the stuff, problem. Right. That really? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Them. It, it's it's ironically the thing that led to them being forced into receivership because they didn't have any money on hand. 
But the uh, actual problem is gross negligence in the sense that the FDIC insures deposits up to $250,000. Yeah. Right? And the thing is, they insure the federal that, government. Yeah. So basically. With, with, a, with a legal, registered, regulated bank that follows the rules and and they post the little sign, you know, mm-hmm. and on all your paperwork that you sign off, FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, meaning it's how our entire banking system works for deposits because you can't trust this shit to the market or mm-hmm. a private insurer even. It, you, you need the federal government to say, to actually be the bank yeah, that is actually backing up your It's uh, yeah. literally an invention of the Great Depression and when banks just took flamethrowers to all their like depositors' money. And the federal government said, wow, that created an enormous crisis that just spiraled out of control. Maybe since we just have this printing machine that prints all the money, and this is all kind of made up anyways, we should just tell depositors like, hey, if uh, your bank self-immolates, uh, that's not something that you can control or really even know they're doing realistically. Um, so we'll just give you your money back. Well, right? hilariously, they said <laughs> that, but then they were like, but we we can't be the provider of that. Like, it's not privately owned. Well, yeah, like, well, you know, <laughs> it had to be done through, because it's America, it had to be done through the most insane spider web of public-private partnerships. Yeah, someone's yeah. got to be skimming off of every yeah. level, yeah. Yeah, we got to have middlemen at every corner, but, <laughs> you know, but essentially... Backstopped ultimately by yeah, the federal government. Yeah. yeah, and basically the federal government's saying, like, look, we'll just print the money and give it to them, right? Now... They put a limit on that, you know, insurance, right? I think initially it was up to like $10,000. Now, they've like rapidly increased that limit. Uh, In 1980, they'd increased it to $100,000, and it's now up to $250,000. But they've rapidly increased that limit. Now, the thing about accounting is, is one of the things you learn early on if you're going to be dealing with large sums of money is that you have to diversify the accounts to make sure every single account's insured. Yeah. Right? You never want to have money sitting in uninsured accounts. Now, that means anything over $250,000. So even if you're at $250,000 in $1, you have failed your job as an accountant because you've not made sure that that $1 is recoverable. Right. Simply because, like, whatever you think the risk is, and you can, you know, in time, you know, people get exuberant, you know, whatever. They think, oh, yeah, my bank's, there's not going to be a run on my bank. It's free yeah, insurance, insurance that's backed by the treasury. Yeah. Like, and ultimately, so it's like, it is the best possible, like, investment of your time you could, you could make if you've got and you don't over $250,000. And you don't need to manage, like, 150,000 account numbers either, right? Yeah. If you have, like, a lot of money. Like, you, you could literally just have one account, and this all happens in the background. Well, yeah, so banks realize very early on that, you know, yeah, banks make money off of things like charging interest on loans. Some of them make money off of investments. Now, that used to be split up. Luckily, since 1980, we've uh, let banks just do whatever they want. Hmm. Uh, But one of the other and main ways that banks make money is fees, right? And you get fees from providing services, right? And so very early on, and I I desperately tried to find this. I couldn't find it, but I, I... I in my mind, I feel like crystal clear. I remember seeing this even explained on an episode of Beverly Hillbillies as a kid. But very early on, banks realized, oh, we'll just provide the service where if you show up and you have more than the FDIC limit and deposits, we'll manage that and we'll just put it across multiple accounts to make sure that every single account's insured and you don't have to think about it, right? Now, 
the modern version that's just called a sweep account, right? And the, the bank sets it up for you. They manage it. They move all your money around, right? So if you're a company, some guy was like, oh, could you imagine a company having, you know, 40 different bank accounts? How would they operate? <laughs> it's like they all do that. And the way you operate is like, say, payroll. When payroll's like writing checks, they're not like, ooh, I got to make this come out of account one and then this come out of account two. And they have like a little abacus showing like where each account is. That's not how it works their check just goes straight from the bank and the bank manages the flow yeah. of money. You don't through concern the account. yourself with those. Yeah. Like to you, that's a service that's the bank one, provides. Yeah. That, you see one account number like there, mm-hmm. right? You see one, like, you know, total balance in the background. That might be 50 different accounts, but you don't, you don't even like, need to know that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, just, you just have the top number. It comes out of the top account. Yeah. And the other account, Puts it back in from another one. You yeah, know? and really, if so, if you're just like a rich guy, right? So you're just putting money in the bank, right? And this like old school rich guy shit. You might even have an accountant too that's like, hey, I'm managing your monies. I'm going to put your spending money. So the stuff that you need to just have on hand for just day to day, I'm going to put in bank X, mm-hmm. right? But in the meantime, I'm going to be shopping every bank, you know, in the area or whatever and moving your money into accounts that have higher interest rates and things like that. Right. That was like a thing that accountants used to do. Now, what your personal accountant and your corporate accountant and now even bank accounts will do for you, again, as part of the services, is what they'll do is say, how much money do you need to have on hand? We'll put that in accounts that are easily accessible and the other monies that you have that you don't need to access. Right. We'll move into things that are higher yield, money markets, et cetera. Right yeah. now, ironically, that's what the bank run, that's what everyone was doing, was trying to individually pull their money out and stick it into money markets. But again, this is all shit your accountant should be covering at your company. And people are like, oh, this company's only got $10 million. Why would I have an accountant? It's like, because you have $10 million. Yeah. What are you talking that's about? That's exactly this, why that you would have an accountant. It makes perfect sense that this is... Silicon Valley thinking, right? It's yeah. like, it's, it's why do we need this people. old, this old stodgy shit? Like, you know? <laughs> like somebody watching where all our money is yeah. and making sure it doesn't evaporate overnight. So, okay, but okay, that's that's these rubes, this, the Silicon Valley. Again, once again, by the way, the fucking cartels have accounts. Yeah. All right, like this is, this is not like a high level, like, uh, like, oh, what do I gotta put my pinky up when I drink my drink yeah. now? Kind of thing, like. Yeah, no, but it's a you know people to, with to brains. Silicon Valley, the entire yeah. like thing, you know, they like to think their 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 shit's about technology, but it's about finding ways to do things with fewer people. Yeah, you know, yeah. so yep. that's how they run their business, and it's the products they make, right? So like, it makes sense that like those rubes would be like, yeah, would would blow right past that if given the option, whatever. But like, and not know, not pay the accountants to know. But like, how is the this bank yeah, not I, doing this as a matter of rote, right? So like, that's the real question. So generally, when you came in with these large deposits, right, and these large inflows, the bank would have automatically already sold you on this, right? Like, right off the bat, like, they, they would present it not even really as an option. Again, the reason being is they collect fees on all that shit, Yeah. right? So this is like a big source of money it's for the, the business bank. model. It's the business model, right? And the thing about a bank is, like a bank like Silicon Valley, if you well, maybe not that a thing like about a real bank, all right, JP like Morgan, yeah, JB Morgan, yeah. something like that, right? Or a bank that has like regular depositors, like Washington Mutual, although maybe not the best example itself, but you know, but even then, again, like, right? But even then, like uh, BC or whatever, right? Yeah, the sure. thing about a bank is the majority of its employees, right, who are doing accounts facing work only deal with accounts that are over the FDIC 
limit. Uh, people that are like depositors that are doing more than like a million dollars in deposits or whatever, right? That's who they service, right? If you're me and you go in and you're like, oh, where am I going to deposit my $12 I have? There's an ATM outside. Yeah, and like BC yeah, literally, literally does that. Yeah. They just point you to the ATM no, and like, B don't, you don't get to talk to a human. Sorry, like, get more money. I remember, money. I totally like, get, just got, <laughs> yeah, I walked into BC, BCU with a check and they were like, yeah, dude, I mean. Yeah, and so. Yeah. I'm so, not allowed to have an account at BC, BCU. <laughs> <laughs> the Giga Chad model right there. That, yeah, we're, we're, we're just like Chad's over here. This is like, I mean, I'm not allowed know, to have an account at alpha. a lot of banks, actually. Yeah. And, well, are you allowed to have? Are banks servicing you? Oh, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we we have a different account banks at a that bank I that's didn't not used to bank at. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, okay. a whole new right. bank that we're gonna scam yeah, 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 yeah. carries the show account. Right. But like, uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, big news. Uh, we I think we talked about this in the Carter episode, but I did finally pay off my Bank of America credit card. Oh yeah, for. Uh, uh, Alaska, Alaska Airlines. Airlines. <laughs> I finally paid the settlement off on it, so maybe BOA will let me uh, there you get go. some credit again. Yeah. But anyway, so the, the thing is, is that like the reason why the bulk of the employees handle all that, all that bit is because again, th that's where the money is. Is like doing those services, collecting the fees, and again, I, I hate to say it, these guys they should watch Beverly Hillbillies, <laughs> but there's some truth to the fact that like when the Clampets moved to LA with all that oil money and all that incoming oil money, the bank manager all of a sudden is like their best friend and is following them around everywhere and has literally bank employees just assigned to them. Right. And the reason is, is because they want the fees and they want to control those monies. Right. And so they're going to do whatever it takes to make you feel comfortable with them holding all your money. It's called client service. Now the funny part, which I guess is the question is why SVB wasn't doing this. And so, I, I honestly, I have an idea. I don't fucking know. I, I, I guess I have a, a theory, but I don't know that it's really based on anything other than just what they were actually doing. So, if they, so if they weren't like, again, this is like a matter of rote. It's a business model. Yeah. Every time that money changes in all the accounts, every time it cycles through, like they're collecting a fee, it's fucking automated. It's just, now you don't. Now a lot of that is automated, and mm -hmm. like, but you sign the papers to do that. It can't really be that they're saving on the labor of managing the accounts. Yeah, really, it's it's, yeah, it's yeah. not that. No, like, not no. not in in Silicon not on Valley in twenty twenty. Not on that scale. No, 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 the the cost of not collecting the fees is is more than the savings yeah. on labor. Yeah. So, like, what it's got to be is a it's a sales pitch, right? Yeah. We're Silicon Valley Bank. You're a Silicon Valley dumbass. Um, you're shopping around, you without your accountant, with your fucking $10 million <laughs> in a fucking pillowcase that you got from, you know, VCs in your pajamas. You're going around to banks, you needing to put this somewhere, like, and... You're walking in and there's all this money going around to the VCs. They need to so get they want this money coming in their door. And how do you get how do you how do you beat the market? You right? How do you un you undercut it? OK, you uh, undercut your competitors on price. And you say when the when the dumbasses come in your door looking for like, I I've got all this VC money. It's got to go somewhere. They get a breakdown at one bank. That's like, okay, this is the fees you're going to be charged, you know, over the course of this year, whatever. However, these things break down 
on our account that we're offering you the cert, the the package we're selling mm-hmm. you today. This mm-hmm. is basically what it's going to cost to bank with us. And you go across the street to SVB, and they've gotten wise. They're like our brand. We're this. We're Silicon Valley Bank. Now, if you if your vibe is like I am looking to, uh, you know, put my money in a sound traditional institution. You know, like uh, in the old of the old world of you know something with roots in New York or maybe even London, you know, <laughs> then, you know, you're looking for a different sales pitch. But if, but if you look up, you know, at the building that says Silicon Valley bank, you're like, yeah, those are my people. You might be susceptible to the, uh, sales banker there telling you, look like all those fees they were trying to charge you. That's old banking. Yeah. <laughs> that's old money like imagine imagine um, spike lee imagine spike lee pitching yeah. this to you right and it's <laughs> and they're like listen you know what we've innovated we're we're breaking things uh we're we're changing the narrative here like we've we've simplified we've gotten rid of all these fees like this is yeah, this no much like lower middle men, you know like skimming off the top of like what's your that was literally the pitch of robin hood by the way the bro <laughs> the free brokerage firm when Shit, you know remember totally yeah, right. yeah. this is yeah. just the the this is how you pitch these guys yeah yeah this is incredible that's like, what it is i yeah, promise yeah. you that's what it is they yeah. they they were undercutting on price saying we will not do and and because if you're not the accountant, you're just the guy. You're just seeing a stack of papers to sign, and you're seeing it. And then they all they look the same, except you're getting the breakdown on price. Like what do right. you? You're just I just need to put my money put somewhere my money that I can get it just access works. with the ATM to buy like food for the, our kitchen mm. at the new yeah. office. You know, and, and we'll get to like why they collapse, but like you know, they also I think we're like a little more liberal with um like. Extending credit to these companies, which yeah. apparently, like founders were saying on Twitter, that like you know, traditional banks like Bank of America and JP Morgan were like, I am not like giving you any credit, yeah, even that like, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like not giving you a loan, I'm not giving you credit. Like, it's just like, no, so between those so, two things, you go yeah. in and you're, you're asking, okay, tell us about your, your credit offerings, and maybe we'll think about depositing with you, and what you get is. Uh, you seem like a, a, a shit stain. Get out of here. You can yeah. still deposit your money. These will be the fees. And you go over to SVB and they're like, sure. Like, here's the card. Here's the gold card. Yeah. And uh, the fees on your checking account. Yeah, no, like rock bottom. And yeah. Yeah. there you no go. Brainer. No brainer. I mean, that's, that's totally what they were doing. And then the other part was, I, I think they were just trying to capitalize fast so that they could play the like fun game of buying mortgage backed securities. I mean, that was the funny part is like realizing what the, what the investments the bank was doing, yeah. which was just 2008 shit. Like I, we're buying packaged up mortgage backed securities, which by the way, all lost money. Well, it's like, <laughs> it's even funnier than that because unlike 2008, where like these mortgage backed securities were like, just like backed by garbage. It was like an even more boring collapse where it was just like almost like a technical collapse where like, they got an influx of cash from like the pandemic, which then like sent rates to zero from thanks to Powell, right? And so now all this capital flows into venture capital because it's like we need to get like returns on our money, right? Like, you know, and we can take risk because like the risk-free rate is zero. So, you know, there's like a pretty like high tolerance for like high risk investments. So you like go to VC. And so, you know, Silicon Valley banks like, you know, deposits like, um, you know, more than doubled. 
over the course of like from 2020 to like 2021. That's, like, I mean, you know, look, by the way, that kind of thing that in a normal regulatory environment, you would investigate. Yeah, you would. <laughs> I mean, like that, that, that's already a red flag, right? And so like as a bank, now you need to, you can't just like have that money just sit in like pure cash. Like when as a bank, like, you know, business model well, is paying fees. interest for one thing you're paying interest no. right so you need to actually like you know have some sort of risk-free yield is what they'll call it right mm. or at least like very low risk yield and so they can't buy like stocks with like this money but they can buy like you know certain like securities right like let's say like government-backed bonds or if you want to get more yield because remember the rates are at zero so if you're buying government-backed bonds you're getting basically zero percent yep. interest on them so why why would you get that so uh, what's the next like kind of like, you know, passive income like yield that, you know, is like safe and what the Fed is like, you know, investing into this is mortgage backed securities. And so like that, that, that would give you like, you know, a really healthy percentage. As long as rates stay low, that's fine. Yeah. Because remember, <laughs> just remember, so is nothing changes, which luckily this is the beginning of a pandemic. So, you know, nothing's ever. Gonna no, change. Yeah, yeah, it's just going <laughs> to stay like that. Right. So, I mean, the 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 in, the nitty gritty details of it is like. The there's an actual price that you pay for a bond, right? And like you know, you can call mortgage-backed securities a bond because it's just like it's fixed income, yeah. right? Yeah. And so um, that price is determined by what you can actually get for your money if you have an interest that is risk-free. Yeah. So you know, your if your risk-free rate is five percent, a mortgage-backed security that yields five percent is going to be worth nothing because you can just get that money with no risk, right? Yeah. yeah. By just investing in the government. So when like interest rates go up, which Mm -hmm. means the risk-free rate goes up, that means that all of the bonds, the price goes down. Yeah, yeah. So if you hold those bonds to maturity, that price doesn't matter, right? So if you like have a 10-year bond and it's like yielding 1%, if you hold it until like 10 years, you get that 1%, it's fine. But if you sell it before that and if interest rates go up, you can lose 50% of your money because yeah. it's like worth, worth half, right? If like interest rates go from like 1% to 3%, that though, those, those like fixed incomes yeah. are not going to do well if you need to sell them. But if you have all like, you know, $209 billion in deposits and people just sit there, <laughs> you're, you're guaranteed that 1% if you can make it. But if you need to sell those bonds yeah. and interest rates continue to go up, let's say not 3%, 4, 5, 6, 7% now. 7% is the risk-free rate for, like, a 10-year mm-hmm. treasury note. That means that all of your, like, 1%, 2 3% mortgage-backed securities are worth, like, negative dollars, dude. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. you can't even, like, it's hard to even, like, liquidate those, right? I mean, like, they're... It, yeah, you're holding junk. You're holding junk, and, and it used to be gold because yeah. that's 3 per, you, you bought them when they were 3% and the risk-free rate was zero. Risk-free rate is 7% now, mm-hmm. and you're holding 3% high-risk mortgage-backed securities. But, Manuel, what would you call a scheme where uh, you are investing money for people, and uh, the only way the scheme works is if more money is constantly <laughs> coming in than goes out to cover the bad investments, <laughs> and if all of a sudden the money stops coming in, it all blows up. Wait, wait. What do we call it? There's a name. I just There's can't a name. Remember, you know, but, uh, it's like, but yeah, I mean, it starts with a P. <laughs> oh God, I can't. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, it it's worth mentioning. I mean, they were especially negligent, you know, over at SVB. But there is a kernel of truth of where some of them were like, "Well, this is just banking," and it's like, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why that's like pretty FDIC in- insurance yeah. exists. Yeah. <laughs> if this is just banking, there's a reason why like the you know the federal well, government like, backs these it, you know deposits. Also, why as a company you do the due diligence to make sure that your money's all insured? Because again, it's not like you have to uh, be like oh. Well, when was the last time a bank collapsed and liquidated everybody's deposits? Was that, what did you watch? Like, it's a Wonderful Life, and it's like uh, 2009. Yeah, you know the savings and loans crisis and the shockwaves from that. Right? Like 2009 like, was the start. Then, like yeah, you know, like, 2012, it was still like yeah. breaking down. How yeah. dumb yeah. was it? How dumb was it? They're all so <laughs> yes. Now we get to the real question. All this money, you know, was was uninsured because they hadn't done taken the federal government up on the free insurance that that mm. the bank charges you money for managing yeah why bother with any of that yeah yeah why bother with caution at all which gets to craig's question which is it negligent well right so (laughs) now i guess we found out yesterday morning right fdic is just going to cover all the deposits whatever at whatever level basically right yeah and at whatever level is because only three percent of the deposits were insured that means that 97 percent were over 25 or sorry two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in their account which was also part of the funny thing about them trying to be like look i think about these depositors this is like a real every man problem it's like uh every man does not have over two hundred fifty thousand dollars in deposits that's so, like no man that's, no. that's right. like one percent of man yeah. right so so <laughs> the fucking all the clients of the bank like um, saved on the fees. Let's say if this yeah, is yeah. the theory, right? Yeah. I mean, we for know years, I, yeah. we know they did. They they saved on the fees for years. SVB got to undercut their competition and bring mm-hmm. in all that cash, which they then took to the casino, where theoretically <laughs> they could have won. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, like <laughs> I'm sure just just because they didn't is does not mean and, that that takes the motivation away. And you know? uh, management. I'm sure made incredible salaries and bonuses mm-hmm. in all these years where deposits were f- a fucking doubling. You know, they walked away with tons. You know, some of the, some people mm-hmm. sold SVB stock when it was high. Okay? Yeah. You know, like, so like now, like every, I mean, everybody wins, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that um, SVB is still around. Like you'll see in Wikipedia, they like put SVB in past tense, but um, you know, they're in receivership with the FDIC. Um, yeah. This is this is kind of what happened with like like people are trying to call this and the PR campaign that both the state and I think like VCs are really trying to push is that this is not a bailout. This is actually like something that you this know this is a bail in bail in. <laughs> We're calling everyone in because um, and the argument is that oh well it was only depositors that got you know made whole. It's not like they like just injected money into the bank. Well you know covering depo- like the bank's whole job is yeah. to like you know be covering. Mm-hmm. So if you make depositors whole, that is covering the bank in a lot of ways. And SEB as an entity like they're you know. They they transition management and stuff, so like they have a new like CEO. But the CEO said they're still open for business. They're not winding this business down. They're saying that yeah, you could like deposit into you know Silicon Valley Bank. Right. right they don't now. owe. They don't. They lost. They don't owe money anything. They right? don't owe anything to the fucking. They, that the- is what a bailout is. AIG. What did what what was the bailout of AIG? Because like I think we can all agree that like that was a bailout. The bailout mm-hmm. was to cover the palsy holders, right? Yeah. Like um, a lot of the bailouts in 2008 was actually covering depositors, and that's yeah, like it was, how it was you wiping out the red on like the balance. Yeah, sheets of these right. Banks, and that's like right? what a bailout yeah. is, right? Yeah. And, and you know, Even, you can like look at Bank of America stock, and sure, like that stock is still it hasn't recovered from 2008, but Bank of America is still around, and it's a top yeah. bank. You know, yeah. like that's even <laughs> that says something. Even 
a run on a bank triggering an FDIC, uh, you know, insurance policy on a bank that was 100% like insured, 100% of deposits were insured. Like that's still a bailout of that bank. It's mm. just th- through an agreed upon like legal insurance policy, mm-hmm. not an ass pull by the federal government to like jump in to save an institution that's too big to fail, which is what this is. I mean, you said it's yeah in the top ten of yeah, top commercial 10. banks yeah. in America. Yeah. So like yeah. that's what they knew. They're too big to fail. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it didn't matter what the fuck they did. In, in the the whiners, they're like army on Twitter. We're very clear of like we deserve a bailout. I mean, these are all libertarians, some yeah, hilarious, but right. we just but forget the all uh, of the hardcore libertarians who were exploiting yeah. the Federal Reserve specifically, yeah, yeah. like disingenuous. Honestly, so. disin like you know like I'm I'm no like oh like I love the Fed right. You know, like, yeah. listen to ending the myth if you want to know why. But like, you know, um, they they were like selling the Fed as if this was like the some like demonic force yeah, that yeah. like wants to like yeah, you they know. Were, they were all reading like the the was it the Beast from Jekyll Island or whatever. And, exactly. Yeah. And, but yeah, and, but you know, they use that to like sell like their fucking crypto shit because that's the whole pitch of crypto is yeah. that like big government and the Fed are gonna like you know like kill you basically yeah. you know and so and and now suddenly like over the weekend a bunch of weepy moany like yeah. people on like VCs were like talking it, about how they wanted to look, get a bailout. We know that none of them actually believe in anything we know that this is hypocrisy or whatever right but but the thing is that's interesting is you know they all immediately clamored and said this has to be bailed out because it'll cause a contagion that'll collapse the whole economy which is essentially just saying the bank is too big to fail now the thing about this bailout though which i i this is one of the cases where what's normally a very stupid argument you get from economists actually makes sense which is the moral hazard argument. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when economists unload that on you, like the three of us in this room or you listener, it's dumb bullshit because you don't have enough money for anything you do to matter. Right, like not, nothing is basically a way to explain away any sort of like social service, yeah. any sort of like thing that like uh, m- marginally benefits the working class. Yeah. Like you'll hear it a lot with student loan uh, yeah. so forgiveness. Like student, yeah, student loan debt forgiveness is not a moral hazard because the individuals who are getting the forgiveness don't have enough money or resources to actually impact the economy in any way, and also do not have the wherewithal or ability to operate as a class to pool those resources to affect the economy in any way. Yeah. Now, the thing that's interesting about the people at Silicon Valley Bank is they have all those things. They have enough money uh, to actually affect the economy through their actions, and they do have the class consciousness to operate collectively in a way that is, you know, damaging to the long-term interests of the economy. If you assume the long-term interest is for it to function, right? And so this actually does represent a classic in the economics economist term of moral hazard. Which, you know, last I checked, all those fucking nerds like Milton Friedman would say, well, that's why you got to, you know, pull their pants down, spank their bottom. But instead, you know, uh, we're just handing them a big fucking fat check. And I will this. But the money will, supply, will this them? the inflation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very funny that none of them brought that argument yeah. up. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, and the thing is, is like the, the reason why that moral hazard argument exists is 
are these people going to now continue to engage in criminally negligent behavior? And the answer is, of course, yes, because they've, there's never been a consequence for it. Why wouldn't um, it's only been plus? It's only been a benefit. You know, that's why the whole point ever... of moral hazard is that there's like yeah. zero downside to your risk that you take. Like a really crazy risk. Like if there's no downside, of course you're going to take that risk. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, a crazy yeah. risk that you, yeah, there's no downside and huge upside. Yeah. Right? And it's like, yeah, of course you're going to take it. Yeah. I mean. It, Sounds and, like a no-brainer. And so, you know, what does it all amount to? I mean, I guess nothing. Um, Signature Bank, you know, in New York also collapsed, which is just funny because Bar Barney Frank was on the fucking. Uh, <laughs> the, the, That's so classic. I mean, just amazing. Um but After so pivoting to crypto, too, this like kind of conservative yeah. bank, like like what yeah. they were like hosting, like Trump, like uh, I think the New York City taxi cabs, and um, <laughs> like some like some other just like kind of traditional clients, yeah. and then they like uh, had this galaxy brain take to be like. No, we need to pivot to crypto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we do, like, signature bank needs to be like the bank for crypto. And uh, we need to like launder this as something real and not just us like doing crimes. Let's uh, hire the guy who like co-sponsored Dodd Frank yeah. to fucking set our board. Sit on our board. Pay them a million dollars. And uh, honestly, yeah. should ask for more. But yeah. so the guy our politicians are so cheap. It's literally a, embarrassing. A poster name for bank regulation. Yeah, yeah. In the 21st century. Yeah, just hilarious. One of the two banks that like collapsed that day, and like you know, yeah. it got like kind of lost in the hub above Silicon Valley Bank. But I mean, yeah. it's a big deal when like you're kind of seeing other banks starting to fall. Like you know, First Republic was a yeah. bank that a lot of people from Silicon Valley Bank were trying to pull their money out of. Like I think so. Like Peter Thiel kind of started this whole bank run, right? Like yeah. he was like at least like in the media reported to like you know. Uh, like message his like before before the we run. We gotta get our blood bags out. We gotta get our blood bags out. I need I need more child blood to pump into me. Um, and so like you know that and that caused like a whole like panic. But like a a lot of like founders were like yeah no no we need to like put this into First Republic like they're more solid. Yeah. Well you know First Republic <laughs> stock uh, from the week is down about eighty percent right now and is like now exploring Shit, yeah. a sale you know Shit, and yeah. so you know it's like. There's yeah, I mean, a lot of like regional banks are just like getting hit. Even our beloved like former uh, former uh, sponsor of the um, of our arena of the Climate Pledge, the Key Key oh, Bank. Shit. Oh, you know, no. they're not they're not down, but their but their stock is down pretty hard, right? Nice. So like you know, um, but even even going up to like Key Bank, like now like anything yeah. that's like regional and not like a multinational. Or just even a national bank, you know. Um, well, one of the interesting things, wait, I mean, if Key Bank collapses. Will I still owe money to them for the boat? <laughs> <laughs> this is the real financial Greg's question. Like, go, go, go! Yeah. Collapse that bank. He's like trying to start the bank <laughs> right. run. Greg's like, go. You guys got to withdraw, man. Like, is <laughs> hiring people to stand in a long line outside the bank with you? <laughs> like, we got to get our deposit. Yeah, right. everybody. No, uh, no. I mean, this this comes to like a kind of interesting question, or whether things. I thought was interesting about that Seattle Times article is in the mention of the wineries is not just that it showed the kind of exposure, uh, you know, that was more varied than just startups. Right. But the other interesting thing is the guy who they quoted as saying, I would say it's like 10 to 20 percent of wineries bank. This bank is a like finance expert for wineries like he get, gets them financed. Right. But even he doesn't really know like <laughs> what the exposure is. And I think this gets to the point of our 
spider web of financial sort of interlocking, you know, institutions and companies and things like that is that nobody actually follows the web anywhere. Right. And so nobody knows the exposure of anything to anything. And it's what makes when you have an economy that's built entirely on sand, it's what makes things like bank failures and stuff eyebrow raising because you don't actually know what the exposure uh, to other banks, to other corporations where you don't know what their actual exposure is to that bank and it's yeah. failing. And so you never know what the you never know what the lead domino is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And oh, like how couldn't it, it be bigger? Like yeah. it at three hundred billion dollars. Like two hundred and nine billion, but yeah. Oh two oh sorry, yeah. I thought you said two hundred and ninety. But no. okay, so two hundred no. billion dollars one of the biggest commercial banks in America, like yeah, there's gonna yeah. be they're gonna have money like tied up and shit and People yeah, yeah have the, their money tied up in them, you know? Yeah, and the exposure is probably wild. And the thing was, is one of the things that led to the rather startling and almost instantaneous collapse in the 1920s was that there was massive exposure across the entire banking system and financial sector, right? Mm -hmm. And so again, in uh, the wisdom of the post-Great Depression, the uh, one of the reforms was maybe we should put barriers between all these banks and financial institutions. <laughs> maybe it's not good that they all have their hands in each that other's just pockets. Like, like boying on stocks. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we should create lanes that they have to be in because then you can actually functionally regulate them because you can see what they're you doing and you can actually understand it. it. You know, you can map the, <laughs> the relationships cause they're straight fucking lines. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, not to, not to harp on it, but in in uh, 1980, a certain president decided, "We'll just get rid of that shit. Fuck it," <laughs> you know. Uh, something that every president afterwards, you know, put their own spin on. You know, <laughs> kind of like uh, when a man when you hire a new manager and they they have to have their own bad idea, yeah, the previous right. bad idea, right? <laughs> and they just all started smashing down those walls that separated all of our financial institutions. And so now they can have a total spider web of exposure amongst themselves. And it does, you know, put you in a precarious position because, you know, Biden could have looked at it and said, you know, fuck it. It's, you know, a regional bank, even though it's huge. And, um, you know, I'm kind of a fiscal hawk. I have been my whole life. And yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, he he could have bought the libertarian bullshit that like they sell everybody right yeah. and like they got to have their pants pulled down and spanked. Yeah. So I guess some people are just gonna lose it was out. Their decision it was their risk, and you know they're they're reaping the reward, and they also have to seek the consequence. And Which is exactly what the Bush administration did with Lehman, right? So it's it's one of those sort of things that like you. <laughs> what was it's it? It's not great. This is not a. This is not how you would run an economy if you wanted it to not collapse. No. <laughs> I mean, it's indicative of just the failures of capitalism. Yeah. If you need, like, this kind of, like, system of, like, having to guarantee rescue, even, like, if there's, like, you know, 97% of shit is uninsured, it begs the question on if we can even tolerate a bank actually, like, completely falling, you know? Yeah. And, well, like, and a depositor bank completely falling. And, of course, I mean... The truth is, no, obviously we can't like this is always going to happen. And that's that's not the problem. The problem isn't like depositors getting bailed out. The, pro the problem is that they were uninsured. Yeah, yeah in the completely. First place, that that was allowed to happen. And that is a breakdown of the regulatory yeah, system. Yeah. yeah. The the o the oversight and presumably the regulations period, because 
that's something I, I'm unclear on as to what degree it was actually legal for them to have that large a percentage of their deposits uninsured. Um, it's just, you you can see like a chart. There's like a chart of maybe like I think the top 100 banks in like the U.S. on like what percentage their depositors are like um, insured, and at the very bottom right. I mean, like, the very, very bottom right, you'll see Silicon Valley Bank. And, like, the rest, you'll see, like, kind of larger bars. Silicon Valley Bank is, like, just so minuscule. It's such, like, a weird outlier for, like, a yeah. bank to have just only 3% insured, you know? But, again, one of those things that in a normal functioning regulatory environment would have been investigated. Yeah, it would have been instantly because, flagged, right? Because yeah. it's extremely negligent and is could only lead to bad things. But, I mean, this is where we come back to the moral hazard thing. I mean, everybody that worked at that bank will all go on to work at other banks or form new banks or whatever. What are they going to do, right? Like, they're just going to keep doing the same thing. You say they're going to work at other banks. Um, there's this guy. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, on <laughs> SVB, um, there is a guy called Joseph Gentile. Okay. Love it. Love it. And uh, it has the, the, the already made up character bio. I know. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, the bio is a uh, Chester Gentile is the chief administrative officer at SVB Securities. Um, do you want to hear his like resume that he has here? Yeah, let's get it. Let's hear it. Prior to joining the firm in 2007, Mr. Gentile served as the CFO for Lehman Brothers Global Investment Hell Bank, fuck yeah. where he directed the accounting and financial needs within the fixed income division. Uh, blah blah blah. Um, da, da, Meaning da, da, da. mortgage-backed securities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he started his career at Arthur Anderson. Oh, <laughs> Holy shit! What? Is incredible. <laughs> this this guy, guy's a fucking all-star. This guy, this Chief collapse like, officer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 fucking typhoid Mary, Mike. This guy rolls. Like, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is so you know, I mean, Arthur Anderson. We're going all the way back to Enron, Enron. like accounting schemes. <laughs> and the thing is, like. The fact that those guys weren't like put in stockades essentially means that, yeah, when they go, they got rich doing that bullshit. So when they go to another place, they're coming in as a guy who got rich in finance or whatever. So they have a certain amount of respect to their name. And they're going to be, and people are like, how'd you do it? And they're like, oh, it's really easy. <laughs> well, Let me show you trick. what to do with these books. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's that, you, you know, if you sitting there thinking like, oh, this bank is imploding and like that's bad for this bank. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you got to ask, what is this bank? Well, it's the people who uh, are in upper management who've been making the bonuses and salaries, and it's the and it's um, uh, yeah, the stockholders. Yeah, but and yeah, you can look at it like, oh shit, their stock value is getting wiped out and whatever. But like, it's like it's it's like any other business. It's like. Uh, you know, when it's over, it's over. They already made the money. Yeah, yeah. They've been making yeah. the money. Now, maybe some... The some of their paper who, value probably went down, but, like, you know, the, their realized returns, you know, yeah. are already there. Yeah, yeah. they're just they, not getting the hyper returns they used yeah, to. right. But those, the, those, like, fat years, more than make up for one lean month. Exactly. Exactly, yes. You know? And, like, you know, the people who actually were holding the bag of the SVB stock, like... Yeah, they ate it more than somebody who sold. And if they're just getting into it, you know, if they're the, the dumbass who, like, just bought <laughs> yeah, like, into yeah. SVB. Because this is just this yeah. fucking liquid market. But, you know, for the most part, yeah, like, that 
this institution has been making a lot of people a lot of money for a long time. Now it isn't. Yeah. But it, it has, it's already made that money. Yeah. yeah. And like, it, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not like when you get granted stock as an executive, it's not like you don't have a sell structure, right? Like, you know, you'll, sure, like, I'm sure that, you know, executives were holding stock at SBB. I don't like dispute that. But, you know, you also like sell stock over time, right? So it was like, and yeah. you'll get granted more at like value zero, right? So like the company mm -hmm. will just issue more stock and just hand it to you, like as a bonus, you know? Yeah. Like as a part of you, you get a cash bonus and a stock bonus, right? And then you can, you know, sell that whenever you want. There were sales as like early as like, I guess late as maybe seven days before the collapse mm -hmm. from like the CEO, the CFO, and everything, yeah. like, you know? For like millions of dollars, like they're they're fine. Yeah, yeah and it's not even just like selling stocks. I mean, you can use your stocks as like an asset to essentially borrow against, so essentially to use it as a piggy bank, right? Yep. I mean, all this kind of shit, right? So like, you know, even some of those guys who were stupid enough to like hold on to it the entire time and maybe lost it, I guarantee they've been borrowing against it and things like that. Like they Which got mean, theirs. Then, like then they you got, got your. Then yeah, some they got other the bank is fucked uh, on. Yeah. On yeah. your stock. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now the asset that you borrowed against is just trash, and you could just hand it over and stop paying. Yeah, you stop paying that loan. And like, oh, here you go, buddy. Yeah. You know, of course, yeah, you know they're yeah. doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole reason why, like, when Elon went to go get that loan for Twitter and tried to, like, <laughs> use Twitter stock as the leverage, yeah. every <laughs> bank and financial institution like, uh, no, thank like, you. No. Real asset, please. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, you know, but again, I mean, it's one of those ways that, yeah, of course, the rich never lose in this, right? Because this is their game, yeah. right? And so they're never going to lose in it. But, I mean, I think it does go back to this point of just how built on sand everything is, right? Because none of this is producing anything. Like, that, in the long run, like, none of this, like, produces anything, makes, like, a long-term tangible good or something like that, right? It's literally just money being siphoned mm. constantly upwards. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it, this has traditionally not been a great recipe, again, for a country's financial or political stability. <laughs> but, you know, I, I look forward to the next, you know, It's just cool to see the state SBB. act with urgency for once, you know? I know. It's, it's cool to see they can actually do yeah, something. Yeah, right. I mean, we were, we were laughing the other day because uh, we were talking about all those articles about, like, uh, what would the U.S. do, you know, in a war with China over Taiwan and how, like, the semiconductor industry would get knocked out instantly. And it's like, well, China's, like, building that, right? And we full, we're like we're all aboard, like, well, China will fully just replace it on their own shore and have, you know, all the microchips they need to run, like, a modern society. But does anybody believe for a second the United States could do that? <laughs> like, like, would even be capable, even in a case of absolute dire need, be able to do that? The answer is, of course, no. Like, just no. no just institutionally, no. No, no, because no, if the second it's, like, a government contract, or a government program to get something done, it's just an opportunity for grift. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just all getting stolen by... So, yeah, we have by, a, It's all getting stolen by some guy who has a company who formerly was at Arthur Anderson, yeah. Lehman Brothers, <laughs> and Silicon Valley Bank. He's probably going to be... Joseph Gentile. Yeah. yeah, he's going to create a semiconductor company after this to just soak up all that fucking, t you know, all the uh, grant money, the government grant Joseph money. Joseph Gentile. It's so fucking funny. Like, <laughs> these people can't possibly that, be real. How is that a real guy? How is that... 
So yeah, how is this asshole's name genteel? <laughs> this is the this is the ruling class, man. Yeah, what is he it's incredible. You go. And I mean, yeah. and again, when you look at him, I mean, he even looks like one of those pictures. That's a the, vampire. <laughs> he looks like one of those pictures of onion where it's like local man, like local CEO. Says, yeah, like, yeah. It's like an onion shot. Yeah, no, it's literally yeah. like an onion stock photo. Yeah, yeah. incredible. <laughs> Beady eyed fucking bloodsucker. Incredible. I mean, like, good for that dude. Uh, he's he's got his. You figured out America, so man. What, so, like, uh, is anything? Is this is this over? Did they stop it? Is this? I mean, everything's gonna. We're just gonna keep happening every few months. Something like this, right? I mean, how do you how do you even guess? Like, I, I'm done. I've been saying. I've been telling people for so long that the housing housing prices have to collapse. That now I don't actually believe it anymore. Now I'm no. like, any anything it. can happen, and like, the prices won't go down. Prices won't go down. Won't fluctuate like more than like seven percent or something yeah. off the high, right? Like, some you know, like, can anything like how long can this just keep going? Well, I you know I I think they can maintain it essentially forever. I mean, hilariously, the ability to essentially rein in inflation. using modern monetary theory, right? They could maintain it forever if if and this is the big thing. The capitalist class doesn't get too crazy with it, right? Like if they don't get too negligent, if they don't get too nutty, if they if they limit their exposure like in an certain ounce ways, of discipline. This yeah, is, they, if they were able to exercise an ounce of discipline, well, then because of America's place in the world, they could probably get away with it forever. Now, the two problems are America's place in the world is changing. Yeah. And the other problem, rapidly. And the other problem is the ounce <laughs> of discipline part. Well, so, if they've never been able to do it before, not without like the heavy, heavy hand of government yeah. backed up by like labor power, etc. But I I I think I think we've seen evidence, possible evidence, that some new formulation has been arrived at where Capital, like the central committee has been able to corral the biggest monopoly powers in this, in the American economy in order to get them to move when it really matters. We saw them all in the same fucking week lay off 6% of their workforce after yeah. a year campaign, like publicly an I mean, it was pages. honestly the hardest campaigning Biden's done. Yeah, <laughs> like in his president and on yeah. and from and from the Fed, like in, down going like uh, the economy needs to cool down. Got to cool down the job market. Got to rein in inflation. Got to rein in the job market. Saying these things together, you know it's going to behind closed doors, and they did it. Mm-hmm. They all agreed. There was there was a negotiation for a fucking year, and they all they all bid it. Down, they all bid it to six percent, and yeah. they all did yep. it. Now that is, that's that's something, man. Like that's yeah. I mean, I I think in certain extreme cases they can kind of get them to act. I mean, the problem is they're sort of everyday, day to day operations, and you know, I I am sure someone's watching. Inflation is is understandable it's visible yeah. someone's watching it there is yeah yeah it's what something the gov- the federal government can still do is make sense of inflation it can just tr- it can track prices and report it regularly yeah. and so someone's watching that which means you can act but it's the complicated bullshit that yeah. no one no one is looking at yeah yeah it's that, all the stuff they're doing behind closed doors that is the, the problem and that the 
it that its effects on the wider economy are are opaque yeah. and and farther out and you know inflation's something it's a major political issue and it's something that the you know there's a number and there's a yeah. whole there's whole like armies Ooh. of people in the government I, like I also think it. the capitalist class, because inflation was like, is literally just a politicized, like yeah. it's, it's made up. It's like a made up thing, right? Yeah. Like not that inflation like doesn't exist as like a financial concept, but their conception of it is a yeah. fiction. Right. Yeah. And, and I They're primed. Yeah. And so I think it's been politicized to the point. They all understand when they talk about inflation, what they really mean is labor discipline. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the one thing you can kind of all get them on the same page in tech, especially they've been wanting this for a long time. Moody, you were showing us that tweet by the guy who was all excited because there's all the tech layoffs. He's like, you know, this is really going to revolutionize like Silicon Valley because guy, because people can't like uh, negotiate for contracts yeah. anymore. <laughs> right? like, well, they don't have to yeah. compete with like big yeah. firms yeah, 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 like, yeah, anymore yeah, so. because they all got laid off. So there's a bigger labor pool. So now, Startups can actually hire them at, you know, a lower rate, basically. So I think it's one of those things that they instinctually understand as disciplining labor. The harder thing they don't understand to get them to understand is disciplining themselves. And I mean, this came up when Warren Buffett was doing the whole tax the rich like dance after 2009. And somebody pointed out that like he is a great utilizer of, uh, you know, tax breaks and shit. Right. You know, he pays almost nothing in taxes. And his explanation was like. Well, you know, like my competitors do that too, so I got to do it. Yeah, right. You I know, mean, like which is true. Which, uh, yeah, in, in well, the that, logic of capitalism, which is demonic. Yeah, like that is a like logical. That, so I, I think, yeah, I think that self discipline on their own side is especially difficult. Now, the interesting thing is that so the Credit Suisse stuff, where Credit Suisse, which we don't have to get into the whole thing of that, is having some trouble. But the funniest reply to that, I don't know if you saw that reply to that video, where somebody joked, it was like, yeah, uh, sucks for them to not have the world's reserve currency. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, I, that that's, is that's what, what it is. buoys all of this, yeah. is that the U.S. can just vacuum oh. the money out yeah, from the I mean, rest of the if, world. If, if oil but, was bought in Swiss francs instead of freaking yeah. like dollars, so, like or if they would just melt down, would be okay, melt or, down all those coal or if they would <laughs> melt down those bars with the swastikas yeah. on them and cast <laughs> them into a different shape, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, so. I mean, to that extent, like the maybe the most important news regarding these like bank failures or whatever that came out was that you know China brokered a settlement between Iran and Saudi Arabia to reopen Major. diplomatic negotiations. And, you know, the reason why some people are like, yeah, there were some people online that like didn't quite get why that was a big deal. And it's like, uh, because Saudi Arabia is supposed to be our running dog, <laughs> you know, they're supposed to do what we tell them to do. And this is them not doing it. That, what we tell them to I, do. And, 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 for, and, and for them to like, actually for China to broker, like basically a technical piece with, you know, yeah. Iran and Saudi Arabia is huge because they're like the whole point really of like Saudi to, you know, be the, <laughs> the U S is kind of like, you know, lapdog in a way is to, is to aggregate enemies like Saudi Arabia and the U.S. Is it, yeah. So, like, if China's going there, like, you know, <laughs> and now they're trying to now broker peace in, um, yeah, Ukraine and uh, Russia. Oh while God, while so fucking funny. And, 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 they, and they're the trying to is, do that, right? And, like, you know. But the re so you got to ask yourself, why would the Xi Saudis Jinping do Nobel this, Peace right? Prize. Dude, bro, so, that's yes. leadership, man. So the Saudi government, like, why would they do this? And the thing is, the Saudi state is, like, literally the most held up by tape, like, government that's existed in like the last yeah. hundred years like it's 
total it's a total fucking fake it requires a constant influx of weapons from the united states in order to just continue existing it's a government that cannot have any sort of political instability ripple across from its you know imperial donors right so why would it allow china to broker a deal with the you know official enemy of the united states iran right and the reason is is that they're scoring points with China, man. They're looking at the board and they're saying, guys, time to diversify, diversify our assets. <laughs> like we need to start maybe making an exit strategy for ourselves. I mean, out it's of like this situation. it's in a, a ascendant, like, you know, like China's like actually an ascendant, like country. Yeah. And well, the U.S. is not. And, and and I think if Saudi Arabia is, like, seeing the writing on the wall that, I mean, one of the U.S.'s, like, biggest allies in a lot of ways, like, that mm-hmm. it, it says a lot. And now I think Europe is in a really sticky situation where even, like, Western European countries really, not, it's, like, assume that they got to, like, just be, like, a part of, like, the, you know, the West, which is, like, the U.S., right? Um, now they kind of have a choice. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, they're... Yeah, a I lot mean, of people in Europe are asking themselves, "What are we getting from yeah. this?" Yeah, you know, your pipelines blown up. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, uh, obviously, you know, like on I don't uh, have the big proponents of this, but you know, on left Twitter as well, like, oh, the U.S. and China are too integrated to have some sort of conflict. Now, I will point out that was exactly like the Second International's not argument true. why World War One wasn't not possible. True. Yeah, but the other thing too is if you're China, how are you not looking at this just like the U.S. looked at Great Britain before it and saying? You know what the real money is? Being the steward of this whole thing. Like, yeah. if you really want to steal some shit, like, if you really want to get rich, like, that's where the fucking money is. And, you know... Right. It's about switching the business model. Yeah. For, right now, the the Chinese China's business model for the last 40 years has been supplying America with all its shit. Yeah, with this know, doodad. With its, with its cheap shit. With for treats. Its, for its mm-hmm. poorer and poorer, but still very wealthy population. And, you know, if they're looking to get a different business, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that they might means be looking. imperial competition. Yeah, and I, and, I mean, it's interesting because you start to ask the question, what exactly does the U.S. have to offer? And there was another funny uh, story that was in Business Insight that's really been covering the uh, war over Taiwan beat lately <laughs> in a very dour way. But uh, <laughs> But mentioning that there was uh, defense industry experts talking about you know, what would happen to all the uh, you know microprocessors and whatnot being built in Taiwan were there to be a war. And uh, talking to some people at the Defense Department were like, oh, well, we already have a plan for that. We would uh, essentially bomb the shit out of with the Taiwanese military would destroy the entire like semiconductor infrastructure as well as the essentially functional infrastructure of Taiwan to make the place uninhabitable for the Chinese. And the thing is, if you're in Taiwan and you're hearing that, you're like, wait, I live here too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like what? Some, no. some friends, right? Like, you know, like, if like the Chinese come friend. here, they're probably not going to liquidate the place. <laughs> like, they're just going to move in and put their name on the fucking semiconductor plant. Yeah. They're not going to come in and, like, fucking turn it into, like, rubble, you know? Well, they're, they're, like, gonna, they're not going to do that. They're, gonna all, they're going to use... All, the, all they would do in a non-real scenario where they like try to take Taiwan and succeed is they're going to use their control of you know the uh, export of those as leverage in trade negotiations with the United States you know yeah 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's, the, that's it. And, and really, like the the American, probably very effectively. Yeah, and the American takeover of the British Empire was largely without a shot. Like it was just yeah. going to a lot of these places the British formerly controlled at a time when the British are weak and being like, "Come well, on, guys, the deal's not very good." The so, Brit, like you would rather yeah. sign a new deal. I, it, the you? parallels <laughs> of like a declining empire versus like an ascending one is like kind of yeah. which is like the British Empire in America, where I think even like Richard Wolf on Trapo kind of made this point, yeah. right? Where it's like you know the the <laughs> we, we used to, the America used to be the colony of Britain, and now Britain is like colony of America in a lot of ways, right? And like yeah. you know as much as they want to pretend not like you know that's kind of what it is like a junior partner in like a you know a global empire well, that, I mean, again the other thing that america had over the british right is, and how they were able to take over the empire was they could wait yeah you know like they had time on their side and i the think british time is on china's yeah. side now we we yeah. are in terminal decline and learn more at ending the myth yeah <laughs> hell yeah um well gentlemen it's been fantastic having you guys on the boat Glad to have you back in town. So but, good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, great to have a classic uh, boat episode complete with technical difficulties. Yeah. Hey, technical difficulties. Uh, having the real podcast happen for like two hours before we start recording. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could have like had a Patreon movie app, but you know, we got all of this takes out already. So we just have to give you the snippets <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could have a red carpet episode for the Patreon. Who knows? Yeah, where we talk about, we give our own awards for best DVD commentary. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you, Grandma's Boy was a pretty good director's <laughs> commentary. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs>